0: Welcome in everybody to the Landry Football Podcast Network is we're going to talk franchise tags. What does it mean? You hear a lot about it. Um, the difference between exclusive and non-exclusive. It's timely because today, February 21st, is the first day, the beginning of the date, uh, that NFL teams could begin to designate transition, uh, franchise or transition uh, tags on players. Uh, they've got until March seventh, so don't expect a flurry of it to happen today. But since the window starts today, we thought we'd spend a little time explaining it to you. Uh, what to reminder though to get more detailed breakdowns of who might get that tag, who are the candidates, what teams might do in free agency, what are their biggest needs, um, what you know the draft process, breaking that down for you, as well as everything in college football. Uh, the transfer portal, uh, you name it, we got it at LandryFootball.com. So take advantage of our scouting season offer today. That'll get you the best deal that we have one year. Um, we've got for you to get a uh, all the scouting season information, all the regular season uh, film breakdowns of the games. Folks, what we do for you is bring you a sc- coaching and scouting perspective, inside information evaluations on the college, on the pro game at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the scouting season offer. Also subscribe, like, and share the Landry Football Podcast Network where you can get all of our football content. So the franchise tag is a buzzy phrase during the football season. It's one of, um, you know, uh, the interesting times where people throw it out being tagged as a franchise player is a good thing. Is it a bad thing? Well, it can be good. It can be bad. Um, it can be a hindrance to a long-term deal. It, but it costs the team more money. There's built-in, you know, sy- systems to allow for successes and um, resistance to doing it. So, what is the franchise tag? Uh, it's a one-year contract that every NFL team is allowed to issue once per offseason. It allows a franchise to strategically retain a player on a guaranteed deal with a non-negotiated salary. It can only be used on players set to become unrestricted free agents. There are two types of franchise tags. Exclusive tag prohibits a player from negotiating with another team and guarantees the player's salary based on the average of the top five salaries at the player's position during the current year or for 120% of the player's previous salary, whichever number is higher. So, again, I know it sounds a little confusing in the details. It prohibits a player from negotiating with another team. Okay? Can't do that. Um, And it guarantees that the player's salary is going to be top five at his position or 120% of the previous salary, whichever number's higher. So it's a designated number, it's exclusive, and it's guaranteed money for the player. Uh, It it doesn't mean that a team can't put the tag and trade the player. Trades are always in play, are always possible. Non-exclusive tags allows a player to negotiate with other teams if a player on a non-exclusive tag agrees to a deal with a new team the original team can match it or refuse and be awarded two first round picks as compensation okay the salary on a non-exclusive tag is determined by the average of the top five salary at each player's position from the previous five years applied to the current salary cap or 120% of the previous salary whichever is higher so the difference is it allows a player to negotiate with another team but it allows you to match it or refuse it and get two first round picks as compensation so the combination of a cheaper salary and a steep price of two first round picks has made the non-exclusive tag the more popular opinion for teams to use. Teams can also use the tags as a negotiation strategy for drawing big trade offers out of other teams. Um, Here's the other thing it does, though. When you put the tag on a player, here's the message it sends. It says if you put the tag on a player and the number is X, it's $45 million. Here's the message that it sends to the player and the agent that I'm worth $45 million a year. If I'm worth $45 million a year, then that's what I want to get to make per average over the life of my contract. Well, that may not be exactly what you've got in mind as an organization. You may say, look, we're willing to guarantee you by putting the tag on you, $20 $40 20 million, 40 million, whatever the number is, depending on the position, for one year. But to guarantee it for five years in a volatile sport with injuries makes it very difficult. There is a lot of talk and a lot of belief that players want guaranteed contracts. Guaranteed contracts are fine if you want to do them on a year to year basis. But what players want is they want guaranteed contracts, long year deals. Signing bonuses, but they want guaranteed contracts like in other sports. And everybody says, why not do that? Football is more volatile, more susceptible to injuries. I can't tell you with a great deal of certainty that a given player, even the greatest player, Patrick Mahomes, I'm gambling a little bit long term. But a debilitating injury on the football field, or a couple of them, or let's say concussions, which are certainly going to be more prevalent in this sport than any other sport, <clears throat> might end a player's career. So, guaranteeing it for so many years is a path that NFL teams don't want to go down, that baseball teams and basketball teams can go down because the sport is not as volatile. Um A player can be franchise tagged for consecutive seasons. The tag gets more expensive with each consecutive season. As a player is guaranteed at least 120% of his first franchise tag in year two. So, 120% of his first franchise tag in year two. If a player is tagged for three consecutive seasons, he gets either 120% of the average of the top five salaries at the position, 144% of a second franchise tag salary or the average of the top five salaries at the highest paid position in the league, which is always quarterback. So whatever number is the highest becomes the player's new salary. So in essence, I know that's a lot. You tag a guy two years in a row, it's mucho more expensive. You do it three times, you're basically – or handicapping your team from a long-term standpoint, even if it's a quarterback. that If it's not a quarterback, you never want to do it because you're going to be hit with the number that is the quarterback number, which is the highest number in the league, and you're going to be spending out the wazoo in terms of cap allocation with no way to put a team around a player because he's going to be making so much money. Prior to the change to make consecutive franchise tags more costly, Seattle uh, offensive tackle Walter Jones was tagged in three consecutive off-seasons before holding out for a long-term deal. Now, the 2006 collective bargaining agreement amended the franchise tag following Jones's case, making it much more expensive to tag a player for the third time. So there's been that adjustment. Who benefits from the franchise tag, you ask? Well, The franchise tag has been long viewed as a favorable stipulation for team owners and general managers. It minimizes long-term risks for team builders by allowing them to keep a desired player on a one-year deal. If a player gets injured or their performance falters, the team can let them walk or re-sign them at a lower rate, whatever they choose to do. Among players, the tag is generally unpopular. Stars are hoping to secure a long-term contract are restricted in their negotiations by the tag as players don't have an official way to refuse. You don't want to play on the tag. That's fine. Everybody says, well, you tag him. He won't play. Okay. Let's see if he's going to t- Lamar Jackson's tagged. He's not going to play this year. Maybe he won't, maybe he'll sit out, but if he's going to make, you know, $45 million and he's not going to show up, he doesn't get paid. So, it's one thing to say you're not going to play on it and use that as a negotiating ploy or tactic. But when they start handing out checks, literally, it's direct deposits, I know. We'll use that phrase. You don't normally see them not show up. They normally show up. Now, there's always a first time. And there have been a couple guys that have actually done it. Keenan McCarl did it one year. Is Lamar Jackson going to do that? Is he going to sit out? Is he going to force it? Well, it depends on what he's done with his money. Does he have enough money to just sit there and not play one year and just play this to next year? That's the, you know, you don't have to sign the tag. If you don't sign the tag, then you don't get penalized or you don't get a penalty, a fine, for not showing up. You sign the tag, that means that you are going to get that money You need to show up. Players who have resisted the franchise tag. Some players have fought back against the tag Have resorted to holding out during training camp and extending that into the season. Le'Veon Bell did it. Most famous. He took the fight against the franchise tag further than any player in recent history. After the big deal from the Steelers in 18, Steelers tagged him. And Bell refused to play without a long-term assurance sat out the entire season, then got the four-year contract he was looking for from the Jets in 2019. Devontae Adams, after being tagged by the Packers in 2022, Adams threatened to repeat the boycott and sit out if he didn't receive an extension or was traded. He was subsequently, de- subsequently dealt to the Las Vegas Raiders, where he received a five-year contract worth record-breaking money. Unique Nandakwa. It's a third-round pick by Jacksonville. He posted 37 and a half sacks through his first four um, seasons, outplayed his contract after skipping off-season workouts in 18, and the protests over not getting a new deal. And then Dockway requested a trade from Jacksonville, but the Jags instead placed a franchise tag on him after 19, leading to a war of words with the front office. And Dockway refused to sign the tag, threatened to skip games before Jacksonville traded him to Minnesota. Sean Gilbert, this was one of the original ones. Over 20 years before Bell's season-long boycott, Gilbert pulled the move first. After acquiring him in a trade for the number six pick in the 96 draft, Washington sought to replace just sought to place the tag on Gilbert after its Pro Bowl season. He refused to play under the tag. He sat out the entire 97 season. After tagging him against the next season, Gilton, uh, Gilbert objected. And asked for arbitration, the Panthers would later offer him a long-term deal that he wanted. Washington was ordered two first-round picks as compensation for not matching. The history of the tag goes this 2023 offseason marks the 30th anniversary of the tag. Doesn't seem that long ago, but having been around every one of those, been around, quite frankly, you know, a decade before we even had this free agency with tags, I've been around for every one of these. Tag seasons. It was first introduced in 93 through the NFL's fourth ever CBA after the Players Association sought to create a form of free agency. NFL owners, in turn, were looking to install a salary cap. The policy was first referred to as the Elway Rule, as the concept came about after Broncos owner Pat Boland refused to sign the CBA due to fears of losing his star quarterback to free agency. The tag was initially only used for quarterbacks in order to keep the franchise most important players from leaving over time. The franchise tag strategy has shifted from superstars to targeting breakout players in order to keep them from another team's control. Um, potential notable franchise tag candidates this offseason that we're looking at <clears throat> that are possibilities. Um, the most notable one is Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones, Genius Geno Smith, of course, the quarterbacks of the Giants and the Seahawks, respectively. Saquon Barkley, I think the Giants, if they can't get a long-term deal done with both, the likelihood is they get a deal done with one and tag the other. We've explained that in other Free Agent uh, podcasts. Josh Jacobs could get one. The running back of the Raiders. Tony Pollard, the running back of the Cowboys, more than likely. Along with the Chiefs left tackle, Orlando Brown, and the Jags tied in, Everett Ingram. Why those two? Orlando Brown, you don't want to go long-term with them, but you'd like to keep them on a team that's really good and competing at the highest level. The Jags with Evan Ingram, because the tag number is not that high and he's still a really good player. The Ravens will tag Jackson at $32.4 million if they can't reach a long-term deal. So this could open up the possibility of another team signing Jackson to an offer sheet at the potential cost of two first-round picks, which would be less than the Broncos the Browns traded for Russell Wilson to Sean Watson. Or the Ravens could match the offer sheet and put the saga to an end. In essence, they could let the market determine where he goes. If they don't feel they can do a deal with him, then if he signs a deal with someone else, we'll match it. So that could be a strategy that people are not talking about enough. Okay, he doesn't want to do a deal with us. Well, if he doesn't want to do a deal with us, then he's likely going to be looking for a similar deal somewhere else, and he's probably not going to do a deal with someone else. But if he does, we can match it. If you put the exclusive rights one, then what you're dealing with there is an assurity that you won't lose them unless you want to trade them. So those are a couple of things that we look at. Jones and Smith are interesting candidates. And because they're having career seasons, um, I'll prefer a long-term deal. But the Giants and Seahawks must weigh the cost of extending the player against the risk of starting over. So I believe that the Giants in Seattle, for example, want those guys to be their quarterbacks this year. Are they convinced of having, after having really good years this year? Are you convinced that that's what they're going to be over the long haul? If you're not, then the tag is a way to say we're going to pay really high. We're going to rent for a year. And if they really are good, then we could sign them to a long-term deal. But they've got the edge if they have a really good year because then they could test the market and the price is going to be a lot higher. So if you want to get a long-term deal, but it needs to be not the break the bank deal because neither, neither one of these two guys are that elite quarterbacks. So you don't want to go into that high echelon of salary. You want to get a really good salary that is going to lock you in with the player, but also not totally kill you if he doesn't turn out to be all that well. Um, Neither one of these guys are considered to be as good as, say, a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud or a Will Levis, potentially. So you got to weigh that versus the draft. And maybe you do it one year and and draft the guy. Similarly, the Raiders and the Giants must have wide eyes when looking at the value of keeping a running back. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs. Um, You know, if you look at it, The Giants can't tag both Jones and Barkley, so their call is a little more complicated. Jacobs led the NFL last season with 1,653 yards, 2,053 yards from scrimmage. Um, Barkley with fourth fourth at 1,312 rushing yards and seventh at 1,650 yards from scrimmage. The tag would make them the ninth-high player at their position in terms of average annual value. So if you put the tag on them at a running back, you're getting the player that is one of the top two or three running backs in the league and you're getting them for the ninth pay value and if the player regresses due to injuries then you're not having to deal with them long term it's going to cost you more average annual value if you sign them to a deal but you get them long term what's your play if you're looking at them as a running back which maybe has the shortest lifespan uh, Pollard has been the Cowboys' best back for a couple of years. Uh, but they've got Zeke Elliott on the books. I'd expect them, uh, at least I would, I would release Elliott and free the money. Is that what Jerry's going to do? I don't know. Is he just starstruck still with Zeke? I think that's what they need to do. They're not going to have twenty-seven million and two running backs. I mean, even they are not crazy enough to do that. The Chiefs coming off their Super Bowl acquired Brown on their offensive line the plan worked. the unique element though is that he's played on the tag last season so he earned 122 percent of his contract which equates to 20 million the tag would give brown the leverage in subsequent contract negotiations angram had the best season of his career and click with trevor lawrence during the late season run his 11.3 million dollar tag isn't overly obstructive but the, the jacks can move around a lot of money and be cap-compliant, so they've got some freedom. Defensively, uh, the biggest names to watch are the Bengals' safety, Jesse Bates, the commander's defensive tackle, Deron Payne. Bates played on the tag last year, so a $17.3 million price feels unlikely uh, for an imminent extension. That would make them the fourth-highest number at the position in average annual value. Uh, the commanders decided in recent years to invest in their defensive line using first-round picks from 17 to 20. Payne, the 13th pick in 18, is coming off his best season. And they really shouldn't let him in uh, to hit the free agent market. So just some things that how it plays this year, how it's played in the past. Uh, what does it exactly mean with the franchise stack? Hope that gives you a better understanding We will keep you up to date and explain all of this in greater detail as it goes along at LandryFootball.com. That's why you want to come involved, take advantage of our scouting season offer. It's the best deal that we've got going. The 12 months, it'll get you all the way through this offseason, all the way through next football season, breaking down the game. Players, teams, coaches, schemes, front office, uh, administrative work, from a coaching, scouting, administrative viewpoint on the college and pro game. So free agency, the draft, transfer portal, recruiting, evaluating rosters, coaches. We got it covered for you at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of our scouting season offer today. Uh, folks, it's, it's less than $10 a month if you want to try it for a month. You've got a six-month offer. You, uh, you can you can try that as well. Twelve-month uh, is our best deal. Check it out. We think you will absolutely love it. Also, a reminder to subscribe, like, and share the Landry Football Podcast Network, where you can get all of our football content. Folks, it's great being with you as always. Join us next time as we tackle another issue in the world of football here on the Landry Football Podcast Network. So long, everybody.